What's up everybody, this is Brad with the Mature Minded Gamers. We are a group of adult gamers who have jobs and lives, but also several passions like board gaming, Star Trek, and much more. You can check out our website, MatureMindedGamers.com, where you'll find links to our YouTube channel, Twitch streams, and all of our podcasts. Today we're bringing you another episode of our Star Trek podcast where we cover all things Trek. What's up, everybody? It's Brad with the Mature Minded Gamers, and I'm here on my own tonight so far, doing kind of a one-man band show, uh, covering last week's episode, Season 2, Episode 5, An Embarrassment of Duplers. So as I said, I'm on my own tonight. We had a little scheduling conflict last week, and we weren't able to record, but wanted to get this out. So uh, if anybody else joins, it's great. They might join in later, and I'll introduce as they are, but I uh, want to go ahead and get started so on the embarrassment of duplers we have an episode of lower decks where uh it starts out with the um the bridge crew hosting a meal with uh, a race that i would never heard of called the duplers that evidently as a as a coping mechanism they uh do a thing called duplicating obviously um and they they kind of replicate and so they're they're really self-conscious about that so the more time they they spend embarrassed, the more they're going to duplicate. So um, I, at first I thought to myself that this was going to be kind of silly and that I, I wasn't going to dig it. But um, uh, as they kind of navigated through this first meal, I thought to myself that that this was going to be pretty good. So, um, you know, next time we're on, I'll get the other guy's opinions because, you know, personally, I, I thought this was going to be gimmicky, but I, I, I found it to be pretty funny. So um, we move on from there and see that the, our, our lower deck um, pals, um, Beckett and uh, and Boimler are doing uh, uh, crate stacking duty in one of the um, the uh, the storage bays, and uh, uh, Mariner is basically talking about how this is pretty much all she does. They take packages from here, they stack them over there, and um, although this is the first time I've seen them do that, there it's just kind of funny that people from the lower decks. You got to assume that that's the kind of thing that happens on a on a Starfleet ship, especially one that maybe is now on the edge of edge of uh, the universe, like maybe a flagship uh, enterprise, but um, still pretty good. And then we get Tindy and uh, um, uh, Rutherford um, in the mess hall um, doing probably what I thought was one of the coolest <laughs> um, like uh, hobbies uh, that could be. They were building an exact replica of the Cerritos with functioning uh, phasers and and a, a warp core and uh, it's hovering there. Uh, Rutherford's finding little notes he left himself from from uh, before his mind got erased. Um, notes that he had left himself, uh, and that was kind of um, uh, unique, especially because he's the only one to be able to read them. Right? He's got that, that Android eye, uh, and um, yeah, I don't know. It seemed like a pretty cool pastime. I mean, if you think about it, right now, um, you know, in today's day and age, people are building things like model cars and model planes and um, all sorts of models so you know it'd only be i guess fitting that sometime in the future that we're still building models but more advanced versions of the same thing right so um i don't know i thought this was kind of cool i like to see um them kind of enjoying themselves doing it and we find out later that they were doing this so that way people would ignore them or people would leave them alone so um i don't know about you but there's some things that i do that, that i i also choose to do so that way people kind of leave me alone um but uh, kind of do so in a public space like that. So so that way um, I still feel like I'm around people. So I don't know, this was kind of a, a um, 
a moment that I kind of identified with them right there. It was, I don't know. I thought it was cool. So kind of moving on from there, um, we get the uh, the Cerritos uh, approaching, I think, Starbase 25, uh, Deep deep Space 25, maybe. I don't remember. Um, but it's a, a Starfleet, um, um, a pretty big Starfleet meeting like a bunch of other ships that are there. This is the only California class starship, which I don't remember ever learning that the Cerritos was a, a California class starship. So um, it was kind of just a, a nerd point for me that I thought was kind of cool uh, to learn what class starship is, but also it's kind of the bottom of the barrel too. Like, I guess we kind of assume that being what this was with the lower decks, but it was um, just, I don't know, an interesting tidbit for those of us that are gonna log that away for a Trivial Pursuit game sometime in the future. Um, but since they're already, the duplers are duplicating, um, they are not able to, to actually dock and to take part of all the festivities of this big gathering, uh, Starfleet gathering on Deep Space 25. Um, we already know that Mariner and, and the lower deck crew are, are excited to go because it's the biggest party in Starfleet all year long, right? And so they, uh, um, um, we already know Mariner is going to be up to something, um, so, you know, kind of waiting on that. But as we, we get into this scene, um, this whole time, uh, uh, Captain Freeman and the rest of the bridge crew have been so careful about trying not to embarrass uh, the Dupler uh, representative. And it's in this moment she chooses to put her foot in her mouth and like basically just start spouting off about how difficult he was and how hard it was to have him around. Um, and it's in that moment, it's like that I don't know. It's a typical trope, and I guess one that uh, as soon as she started talking, I kind of expected where he's standing right behind me, isn't he? And so he starts duplicating, and then his duplicates duplicate, and they duplicate, and they duplicate, and it just starts getting out of control. So they fill up the, the bridge pretty quickly, and, and it's in that moment they're told they can't come aboard until the Dupler uh, problem is solved. Um, and uh, Beckett and Bormler, they uh, they realize that this is their opportunity to beam off onto um the starbase uh, undetected because the Dupler problem has probably got everybody trying to figure out what's going on. So um, it's it's kind of in this moment too that I think the Boimler comes out of uh, Bradward and he talks about um, whether or not they should wear their uh, I can't remember what he called it the not their dress uniform because the the dress one's white but the the longer style regular reds and um, um, how he wants it and he loves it and he thinks they should and maybe he's just bringing it along so typically blaming it up right there I thought that was pretty good so um, they beam across over to Starbase 25 or whatever Starbase number this is and um, immediately somebody recognizes Mariner as uh, she said that she used to live here Boimler's like oh of course you did you know because she's pretty much been everywhere in Starfleet so um, no shock there. Um, we get a little bit of a fan service there for a moment. Quarks has expanded over here, so there's a Quarks bar. And uh, um, we get kind of a scene here that kind of didn't remind me so much of Star Trek as it did uh, remind me of Star Wars, the way they're kind of walking around and all the different shops are, are, are side by side by side by side. I don't know. This kind of it reminded me of something, of course, in, in, a, in, a, in Star Wars really didn't um, mean much to me. And, and Star Trek, but either way, still cool nonetheless. Um, it was more of a neon-colored uh, promenade from Deep Space Nine, I guess. So that was kind of cool. Um, so um, as we continue to move forward from here, uh, Mariner um, is cornered by somebody from her past, and um, I don't remember his name. I didn't write it down, but um, uh, basically, we find that uh, that uh, she had. Uh, abandoned him there or abandoned him on a planet um, uh, and 
shoot, I don't have my notes, but it was uh, SETI Alpha. Yeah, so she abandoned him on SETI Alpha. And for those of you Trek nerds, uh, I kind of wish Ben was here because uh, we would nerd out about that being the the planet uh, SETI Alpha 4 being um, the um, the uh, the planet that I'm with Marooned on. Um, and so the fact that he had there, and he even kind of played in some things like, oh, we thought SETI Alpha 4 was, was habitable. And, uh, uh, but we didn't get any reference to those little mind slugs so i don't know maybe i was looking for a little bit of that not that i thought it was missing or anything but just that uh it was kind of a a missed opportunity if you will so um anyway uh they're cornered by this guy uh he talks about being marooned on that planet and it gives boimler uh an opportunity to kind of play off a of mariner thinking that she's joking around but she's really hurt the fact that that uh brad went to uh the titan and she takes this opportunity to um to to let him have it basically and so it's kind of in this that the the a story of this whole um episode kind of unfolds it's it's mariner dealing with her feelings with uh boimler and uh i don't know i kind of liked that i thought that it was good um that she got the opportunity to say something and um yeah it was i don't know uh worth it i guess so um the the next you know kind of catch here is, is that uh He's willing to tell them where this big Starfleet party is at um, because it's a big secret um, if they will carry these contraband across the Starbase. And it turns out that there's bubble bath made out of data. Now, I don't know about you, but I um, I would probably be the kind of fanboy that would be like, oh, that's stupid, but then buy one. So um, I don't know. I thought it was funny. Out of all the characters, out of everything we've ever done, Captain Data being um, a bottle of... Uh, of uh, bubble bath was kind of funny uh now we i don't know about you but if you've seen this episode or you're watching this after the fact then you probably pick up on there's something else going on here it's not just a bunch of crates of uh, bubble bath that they're going to be taking across uh, the starbase so um we leave beckett and mariner uh, or no beckett mariner is the same person we leave beckett and Boimler, um and we're back on the cerritos where um we're continuing to deal with this Dupler problem, right? The bridge is full, 10 forward, or I guess it's not 10 forward on this, but the uh, um, the, the lounge uh, cafeteria kind of area is uh, overtaken by Duplers too. They continue to get um, um, upset and embarrassed over the silliest of things. Um, we get Tendi and uh, Rutherford are worried that they're going to get their model smashed and um, for Rutherford, it seems like a, a a token or a representation of their whole friendship. So he feels like, you know, he's not being a good friend because he doesn't remember all this stuff and he doesn't want to break it because it represents their friendship. So he's kind of carrying it like his baby. Um, um, and I, I, this whole sequence here it really is just about them passing the time and seeing how uh, troubled Rutherford is about this thing cracking. And, and Tendi's like, hey, who cares? You know, this is something we'll just continue to do. So... Uh, they're kind of tracking along and moving along. The duplers are kind of um, blocking them out of it every which way. And uh, again, I just keep going back to that dupler thing. This is something that I wish would have maybe come up in a live action. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, I think the whole concept is pretty funny. And the actor that they got to do it, um, can't think of his name. All I remember him as being in, a, in the show Mad About You back in the day. Um, but um, I, I could have, you could have made this dupler character look exactly like him. And that would have fit his his profile so um if, if you happen to be that actor and you're listening to our show first of all thank you second of all sorry i don't remember your name if maybe paul something i don't remember um anyway um we cut back over to uh boimler and and uh um 
Mariner, they're uh, sprinting across the starbase in a car. And I thought this was a little silly. Like, you know, we're on a starbase. We're here in the future. We've got things that are, we got these transporters that will move things from A to B. And I get that we're trying to subvert everything and do it under the radar here. But it seemed kind of silly that even the police had their own car on this on this station, too. So um, I think Will might have said it a couple of weeks ago. But, like, why even walk um, if you've got a transporter? I don't know. Like it, it seems almost silly in this scenario, especially to to be moving cargo with a wheeled vehicle through a floating starship. So um, it it, it kind of set it all up to be kind of a hilarious um, um, kind of romp through the entire starbase. I mean, this kind of gets a little tropey again. You know, we see kind of the you know honking as people are diving out of the way and driving through restaurants and and. Uh, um, bars and whatnot. I don't know. It just kind of gets silly there for a little bit. Um, there's a, um, yeah. Hey, Will. Hey, what's happening? Hey, not much. So uh, I, uh, um, covering the episode, uh, wanted to get it out before we we ran out of time tonight. So um, I'm about 10 minutes into the episode, but I wanted to pause for a second and see, uh, um, we're covering last week's episode, episode five, The Embarrassment of Duplers. You remember that episode? Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, in my coverage here so far, um, I am at the moment where Boimler and uh, Mariner are driving across the starbase um, in their wheeled cart on a floating starbase. Like, I just got done talking about how, isn't it silly that we're in the future here with these things called transporters and we're using a wheeled vehicle? to try to transport things across the bay. I mean, I know we were trying to do so in a, uh, trying to subvert everything, but I don't know, seems silly or dumb to me. By the way, hello, I see you on the webcam. <laughs> oh, and you're muted. There we go. Hey, how about that? So, yeah, I thought it was kind of weird that they were, they had some sort of wheeled, real truck. I felt like they were like driving through the promenade though. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, like a lot of people walked across DS9, you know, I don't think it's, everybody has access to a transporter and i think obviously a security issue think about that if if every single person and even every single merchant had access to a transporter i mean wouldn't that be a kind of a security risk oh yeah for sure but so, i was thinking to myself like like man we're, we're carting across these big giant crates or something don't you think they at least have a freight elevator or you know a freight turbo lift or something to get things to the other side of the starbase yeah I can see that, but at the same time, I mean, sometimes a wheeled vehicle is just the most versatile. Okay, all right. But enough that there are police officers in wheeled vehicles, too. Right. So, anyway, I don't want to dwell on that too much. It's just something I literally was saying how silly it was as you came on. So, um, okay, so real quick recap. Tell me what you thought of the duplers. Uh, kind of annoying, to be honest with you. <laughs> Seriously? Oh, my all gosh, right. I didn't like it at all. Uh, okay, so when we get done recording this and... Go back and listen to what I said, because I actually liked the Duplers. <laughs> and and the guy that they got to play the Duplers on this, the voice of Duplers on this, I don't think they could have picked a better voice. Except for maybe, now that I'm thinking about it, um, uh, What's-His-Faith that played uh, the Sicilian in uh, uh, Princess Bride. Also played uh, um, um, the Ferengi, um, the Grand Nagus, too. That guy would have right. been great, the Dupler. Yeah, that's true. Um... So, do you want me to keep going? You know, the guy that played the Grand Nagus was the guy that was in The Princess Bride. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying it was yeah. two different people. I'm like, wait a minute. It's the same person. Yeah. Oh, okay. I got gotcha. you. 
Um, yeah. So what did you think the fact that they were, they had the stolen weapons in the back? Okay. So we have, I, so in, in the recap where I'm at right now, I haven't revealed that yet. We're not, oh. I just got to the point where we're like, we're like doing the, the silly going in and out of bars and things like that. And, and I was just getting to lead into probably the, the only part of this sequence that I thought that I actually chuckled at was when they went through the Vulcan ship and the Vulcan just turns and he goes, interesting. Like, <laughs> like that, that moment right there, I actually laughed out loud. Well, yeah, they went through the, the Vulcan, they went to a casino, a barber shop. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a clothing store, wasn't there? Yep. Yep. Which, okay. I kind of, I, I, I was looking hard and even re- rewound it a bit, noticing everything else that was going on in all the fan service, whether or not we had a Cardassian as the person inside of the, the clothing shop, but we didn't, he wasn't there. So no Garrick in this one. That could have been awesome, actually. Yeah, that would have been awesome. So, um, so as we continue going on with our, our, uh, our silly wheeled vehicle, now we're in the aviary. They bust into the aviary kind of in a, uh, um, through a side entrance, didn't they? They kind of broke through almost a, a holographic hexagon or something to dive into the aviary, which, Okay, I get it. It's a big place. That's fine. It just brought more intensity to the to the whole situation. But we're driving through a big bird sanctuary in the middle of Starbase 25 here. Uh, do you remember that? Yeah. Let's okay. let's move on to the sanctuary. He said. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's that from? See, I I thought the same thing during the episode, but I couldn't remember what that was from. Well, I mean, there was the 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 husband and wife that were in the aviary. Oh, oh, that, that. I thought right. you meant, I thought of this other thing that was like, like, you may sit here in the aviary and just the aviary being a, I don't know, a hoity-toity thing to have. But anyway, yeah. It'll be quiet, they said. Move to the aviary, they said. Did you talk about the limited edition data bubble bath? I did. I absolutely did. And I even admitted to the fact that I'm that nerd that would stand in a store and go, that's stupid, and then wait till nobody else was paying attention and buy a bottle. I know what to get you for Christmas. Oh, if, dude, if they actually make limited edition data bubble bath and you get that for Christmas, that will probably be that that will maybe not be the best gift, but be pretty, pretty high up there on the best gift you've ever given. Uh, just, which was better, the Star Trek wine that I got you? Damn, I knew you were going to say that. Mm, probably the wine. The, the, the having the Chateau Picard wine <laughs> is probably one of the coolest things I've ever received as a gift. So. Anyway, so we're 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 marching through the aviary now. Um, I, I got to be honest with you, I was ready for this whole sequence to kind of be over with. So by the time we crashed into the the pond there, I was ready to be done. Like right. it, it literally went on for like seven minutes, which was about I don't know five minutes too long for the sequence. Right, I agree. It it did drag drag on a little bit. I mean, they kept driving through different things and different things, but uh, I get it that Mariner was kind of pissed at at Boimler that this whole thing you know, kind of um, went bad the way it did and how he was kind of a turd the whole time. But, I mean, in typical Boyne fashion, he was like, we got to follow the rules. This is too fast, you know. Is Right, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> what, what did you think about, did you see, um, oh my gosh, the captain from the first Enterprise? Archer? No, no, I guess not the first Enterprise. Kirk? I'm sorry? I said Kirk? No, before Kirk. Pike? Pike, yeah. Uh, now, obviously, that wasn't Pike. Oh, you mean the dude in the... Okay, yes. Uh, <laughs> wasn't that Captain Deckard? I thought that... Maybe it was Pike. You're right. You're right. It was Pike. 
I can't remember why I thought it was Deckard, but yes. When he just went beep, yeah, <laughs> right. I, I laughed at that too. And that's what wrecked the, the, the vehicle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was a deep pull. So for all you out there who, who haven't watched the original series, that is something you missed. And obviously something I glossed over in this, but um, uh, important, I suppose. Because this is the moment, that's, that's an episode where Pike was bad, um, or the villain, almost. So it's worth watching. Go back and watch it. If you're watching this episode here, you listen to this episode here, and you haven't watched the original series, stop what you're doing. Go watch it, because lower, like, even some of the, the rest of the things in this episode here will mean more if you've got the background of the original series. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> let's see. So we crashed the car. The bubble baths are all coming open. The pond is is being bubbled, bubblered. And uh, we find out that there's guns. Now, I was not surprised. Were you surprised? No, I wasn't surprised because they actually revealed that earlier, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's why the, that's why Mariner was all about running. Yeah, because they're horrible drivers, and then takes off. But then this is when she, she, uh, yeah. oh, was his name Malvis? Yeah. So this is when she, you know, starts talking to Malvis and and uh, getting on his case about where the where the party is, where the mm-hmm. actual event is happening, or whatever. Yeah, and she she's basically you know talking him down on this right there. Like she's she's saying you know I'll give you something to 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 fight about this that and the other and then it turns out that okay so he reveals that it's in the ballroom and she's like, <laughs> it's in the ballroom well, obviously it's a ballroom yeah. um, well, then they get in line and they're all soaking wet but and i thought this was actually a, a a pretty cool scene where they're uh where they're you know trying to get in or whatever and he just says oh you know will so he's able, he's able to get in well yeah, yeah william bormler he's able to get in but he, she still stops his plus one from getting in yeah, no, uh, I can't remember what's class, whatever ship, class ship and below or above. I mean, and the Cerritos obviously isn't like in a in a in a type of ship that isn't a class of ship that is able to be. It's just not very glamorous, so that's why it's not allowed in the party. But I don't know. I so this part here, this is another part that earlier I talked about how it was kind of validating in the way that you know she finally got all this pent up frustration with Boimler about how mad she is he ab- abandoned her, uh, a Boimlander. Uh, and um, um, this whole sequence right here about about her finally getting off her chest, I don't know, thought was kind of good. Um, but right. it did show strength and character that Boimler gets up there, realizes he's going to have the time of his life, and still decides to kind of duck out of the party. Now, there are some other um, uh, kind of like little nuggets in here as well. Uh, one of the captains that were in there, I think... Um, and I'm kind of scrubbing back through the episode in the background here to see if it actually is. But I think it's that um, Next Generation episode where they were second in command with the Borg, and it was um, it was kind of uh, Riker's um, uh, nemesis almost of sorts. Is a, a blonde-haired woman. Um, I can't think of her name. Uh, that's what I'm trying to scrub back through. If, see Shelby? If, is it Shelby? Yeah. If that's who you're her, talking right? about. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I thought that was a good pull too, considering she was really only on two episodes of Next Generation. It was kind of a, a another fan servicey pull. Um, right. There weren't others aside from seeing some some different races that were out there. I don't think there were a lot of deep pulls in here either. So it wasn't totally. Uh, it it was mainly a lot of like uh, humanoid species at the party, and th- I mean that's the thing. You you were you were kind of saying that um, he's gonna have the time of his life, but you know w- when he's in there 
like watching the other people and they're interacting with each other and just laughing and chatting. And uh, someone kind of like starts to approach him and he raises his hand like they're going to greet him. But that the, the person just walks right past him and is talking to somebody else. So I think it's more of he realizes that it's it's about the people that you choose to associate with. Yeah. Not just about, you know, mingling, which is people just to mingle. But he wants to be there because he wants to be with the people that he likes. And it's right. not about he re, I think he's realizing that it's not about, you know, rubbing shoulders with the, with giants, if you will. It's about, you know, maintaining those friendships. And I think this is where he realizes that right. he did abandon her. Right. And I think this is, you know, we kind of get the first impression that he's kind of realizing why Marin is so mad at him. Yep. Yeah. Um, which like that, that to me was the payoff of this episode, like the original payoff of the A story or anything was that right there. I mean, I know we've got more to come upcoming, but that was the, that click for Boimler, I think, is when because I don't know, Boimler's my boy. So I uh, I was glad to see him kind of come around on that. Um, so what have you talked about so far with Tindy and, and oh, Rutherford? Yeah. Rutherford, so that's Rutherford. the next thing that comes up. So we're in a shuttle bay now, and they're being overwhelmed by duplers, and they're getting raised up towards the top. And, um, you know, he, he makes the comment like, hey, we can get through that maintenance hatch. And Tindy's like, no, they sealed that maintenance hatch because of something. Don't you know that? And, like, that's when, like, their sort of frustration come come out right there. Like, he's frustrated because he feels like he's not being the, the right friend to Tindy. Um, and that he's missing out on a whole year worth of friendship with her, um, and uh, and kind of comes unglued there. But Tendi, in kind of the you know soft-spoken um, uh, character she is, she's like, no, that just means that we've got a whole another year of being able to to be friends again. Like we just learn how to do it again. It's like this model. We you know we never finish this, so that way we've always got something to continue to go back and work on. So um, well, it even says that you know the old Rutherford never finished it either. Yeah, that's true. So, well, and I think yeah. it's more old Rutherford never finished it because he wanted to always have something to work on with Tindy. Yep. So yeah, I kind of covered that a little bit that they have that model to work on when they're in the uh, the lounge, so that way people leave them alone. And then I sort of spent an inordinate amount of time geeking out of the fact that they were building this full scale actual replica of the Cerritos that had a warp core engine and phasers and deflector beams and everything i just thought that right. was silly and cool but um i would love sorry. to have a model like this so but that's where like uh, again i'm all about payoffs in this episode because this is one of my favorites so far but you know, i love how they like, pull out the like, keys yep exactly <laughs> and they've got these tweezers and they both got to pull out their ejection keys and so that was pretty good yeah yeah anyway that was uh that was a darn good explodes episode. yeah no that was good um so it's also in this set of moments that we realize that the duplers, they um, deduplicate when they get angry. And so the captain tells the whole ship to start treating them like trash so that way they deduplicate and they smash back into one another. So like watching everybody come unglued, but like actually I laughed at the, uh, the engineer that did it because it was completely nonsensical and didn't have anything to do with bashing him in. It just was like basically like a brick from uh, uh, Anchorman. He's just like, engineering terms engineering terms blah 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 you don't know what i'm talking about ah and the dupler is like i don't have to take that to be too like this and he deduplicates together so anyway i don't know it's kind I, of silly, I, I don't but... know that, the whole thing with the duplers is just i don't know i i didn't i didn't find it humorous i find it just irritating and annoying i didn't like how you know yeah. they split and then 
I didn't like how they merged back together. I don't know. It's just the whole thing was just okay. trash anyway to me. It wasn't even entertaining to watch or, or funny at all. It was just more of a way to to get to put a to put Cindy and Rutherford in a precarious situation and a reason that the Cerritos, the bridge crew of the Cerritos, couldn't come down to the party. And even well, you know, even when they get down cover. to the party. Yeah, it, it gave cover for Boimler and Mariner to get off ship, too. So they had a lot of plot devices. I mean, it was uh, or a lot of reasons to exist. Uh, I don't know. OK, anyway, so we're, we we're, speaking of Mariner and Boimler, we're back on the Starbase. They found some dark. Well, Mariner bar. found the bar. Yeah, okay. Mariner found the bar. We're in there. Boimler comes up. Um, and sits down next to her, and they kind of have this reconciliation where, you know, now they're 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 becoming friends again and everything. And it, the bartender that's there, which I don't recognize that race at all. So, for Ben, when you're what, listening to this, text me and tell me what race that was because I don't know and I'm not gonna look it up. I'm just gonna be impressed that you know what it is. But she points out that that they weren't the first ones to get kicked out of the the Starfleet ball or the first ones who weren't allowed in, and they, she points down at Spock and Kirk. So it was a bar that Spock and Kirk had spent time in um, when they weren't able to get to the Starfleet Ball. So um, I thought that was cool, personally. Oh, I absolutely. It was, I, it was cool. Yeah, no, I didn't think that was cheesy at all. And if anything, I mean, Spock and Kirk had to have become good friends over something, right? right, right. So I honestly, I think this is more of like just a of a, of a cannon filler. Yeah. Which is good because then it progresses past relate because it's not just a pull and a reference of the characters' names, but something that that's actually meaningful that kind of fills in character development gaps. Right, which I think is 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 interesting in a, in a show like this. Well, it gives the show cohesiveness to the rest of the the lore and the history of of uh, the series. So I liked right. it. It was good. I wish they would have signed it to which ship they were on because it wouldn't have made sense. Unless there was some other reason they weren't allowed in, because they were on a constellation class starship in the Enterprise, and so unless they were had for some reason come up, you know, and and were a part of a different ship when they got here, there should shouldn't have been any reason why they weren't allowed into the to the party. So I don't know right. what it was, but regardless. well, so that would have been a moment. That cool. Who knows thing. what ship they were actually on, though? Right. So so then as we're zooming out, the next part that that actually. Well, um, hold on. You're okay. zooming out. Did you did you notice that starship model that was on the, in the bar? That's what I'm going to It's the Phoenix. Oh, oh okay. That's Cochran's first uh, mm -hmm. uh, warp capable ship. Which, uh, speaking of models, that's an awesome model. So, um, I was stoked about that. But then at the very top um, um, is a replica of the model for um, the episode. Um, it's not mirror. Uh, it's not through the looking glass. It's a uh, 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 sitting on the edge of tomorrow. Um, that horn looking thing? No, it's the the donut looking thing. That's oh. the uh, the thing that they look through that they're seeing the different periods of of time in there. Um, I can't remember what episode this. For next generation? No, original series. Hmm. Oh, because that uh, was like a portal thing that Data was looking into and see all the different dimensions. Uh, sitting on the edge of forever. So I was close, but yeah, it's a it's a replica of the stone. Um, for from City on the Edge of Forever, which is also a a a um, um, an episode that is kind of a springboard to lots of other stuff in Star Trek lore, including things in Discovery, and you know, there's other purpose for it being here. So that's probably why I I, I recognized it. My dad right. would be proud that I knew what it was. <laughs> so 
uh, one other thing that I wanted to ask you about in uh, the bar. Did you notice that the what creature or alien species was asleep on the table in the background? No. I mean, I saw oh. it there, and I think in my mind I thought this has got to be important, but then I just missed it when I got distracted by the phoenix and the... And right. The... So, you know, who exactly to me that looks like is it looks just like Morn. Okay. So I was kind of expecting it to be a Morn, uh, but no, I, did, I didn't notice that. So I just backed it up on, on the replay I've got going on right now. Um, yeah, it, it may not be, but that's to me what it lo- what who he looks like. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know. To I, me, that would be pretty hilarious if it was. I mean, drinking in a bar. <laughs> yeah. Fall fell asleep. Sure. Oh, and oh, the, I forgot the planet killer was up there too. The um, it's a replica of the um, the alien like long caterpillar thing that um, is another next gen- um, original series episode where the Enterprise. Uh, bumps up to her sister ship because she has been derelict and it's a um um well anyway it, it's a, it's called the planet killer but or, or uh, and it's like actually swallowing starships like starships are disappearing is um, it that horn thing yeah that horn thing up at the top oh okay mm-hmm. I didn't but i don't remember uh the name of that episode planet killer dark trek it that was on the episode oh it literally was the episode was called planet killer hmm. um no, Doomsday Machine. Dadgummit, it! I knew that. I don't remember much of the story about it, but it was. Uh, um, That's very, very small. Very small. No, it's huge. No, the obviously the replica thing on the. Oh wall. yeah, yeah, yeah. The replica is. See, I okay, and so this is um, it, the reason why that is. One of those deep pulls for me is that's one of the earliest episodes I can remember watching with my dad. So my dad being the guy that got me into Star Trek and everything. So um, I remember this episode because I remember there being two, you know, enterprises. I kept calling them two enterprises when in reality it was just two Constellation class starships um, on the screen. And one of them detonating their warp core to or one of their nukes, their nuclear core, I think, is what they called it in this episode. But oh, and that one, it was Commodore Matt Decker. That's why the word Decker kept getting stuck in my head. That's who commanded the, the NCC one zero one seven constellation class is the one that was the one that was destroyed for the planet constellation. Yep. Yep. Oh, anyway. Oh, um, see, yeah. See that. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. I, I like that little little Easter egg reference there. Yeah. See, I was looking at some of like the other things in the background of this bar, and I was trying to spot like maybe some of the pictures of the wall. The only thing that I really see that kind of stands out is you see that like the enterprise back there going like warp speed or whatever. Yeah. Well, um, and the, the, the ship that was up there, I think is, is a Vulcan ship. So it may be one of the earliers. And then the other thing that may be a pole may not be is the jukebox looks like the same jukebox as that from Conquering kicks in the, uh, in first contact. So I don't know if that's meant to be, you know, the same jukebox as that from Cochran had in, in that episode. Um, who knows? Uh, the rest of the stuff was just like background fodder. You're right. It probably had some meaning and it probably does for somebody, but that's really all I could pull from it. Right. Yep. Yeah, so, so then we get the shot of the bridge crew going up to the party trying to get in. Uh-huh. And there's like this black monolith on the left side by the stairwell. By the stairwell. So if you're looking at, uh, it's like timestamp 2359, there's a black monolith with a. Oh shoot! You're way in front of me. Or excuse me, excuse me. 1956. 1956. That's that's basically where they're walking up to the to the I don't know what that is like a grasshopper kind of creature, the bouncer, if you will. Okay. And there's this black yeah, monolith. You see it? Okay, hold up. 
No, I missed that on my first watch. Through. So, yeah, so I, I, I was trying to think of what that could be. It doesn't ring a bell or it doesn't, you know, alarm me. The only thing that I kind of see is just that it's like Black Monolith, you know, so it, 2001, you know, but I'm like, well, I don't remember a diamond in the middle of that thing. In my mind, that it's probably not right, but it reminds me of that episode that Data was wearing that mask and it tried to turn the entire uh, Enterprise into an old, um, like almost like an uh, Incan or Mayan or, you know, basically a, uh, it was supposed to imitate a, uh, the sun and the star, how the, the, or the sun and the moon, how one is always fighting the other and never one ending. I can't think of the name of the episode, but it's, uh, uh, it's two different beings that, that in, inhabitate, that's not a word, inhabit data uh, and next generation. Um, hmm. It is called, um, oh, you're never going to, never going to guess what the name of that episode is called. Mass. Hmm. No. Literally See, called the, the only thing that I remember of like a monolith in like the original series was, I think it was called the Paradise Syndrome. Mm-hmm. But that's the only thing I can remember with like a monolith. That's the one where it's from the original series where there's like, they're kind of like Native Americans, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, eh, I don't know. I'm looking at that. Yeah, but that's the only monolith that I remember from the original series is what I'm getting at. I mean, yeah. it doesn't look like it. I guess it could I have mean, been maybe that it's just a design or an art piece. What about that square that's in the center of that city on Deep Space Nine where it's actually holding the consciousness of everybody and they're coming coming out as uh, holograms? It's meant to, um, Hmm. I don't know. But yeah, you're right. I didn't catch it the first time, so that's a a good catch as well. Um, It's kind of funny that the bridge crew couldn't get into the party either, even though she's the captain. Um, So Moimler gets in because he was on the Titan, but Freeman can't get on because she is the captain of the Cerritos. Um, and then she gives that, <laughs> that massive speech, like, you're going to let me in because of blah, 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 blah. And then moments later, we see that they're sitting out in front of the same <laughs> <Right>. bar <laughs> that Mariner and Boimler is in. So um, now, I mean, I saw that coming, but it wasn't one of those things that I saw coming I was upset about, honestly. Like, mm. I'm kind of glad that they ended up in the same place because it brought a little bit of, a little bit more unity between um, the bridge crew and the lower decks. Um, mm-hmm. So that was kind of a fun moment. Um, made you wonder who is back on the Cerritos actually keeping things in order, but because pretty much seems like everybody's here right now. Right. My um, absolute favorite part of when, you know, when they're, when they're all chatting or whatever is when they beam the Dupler into the party. Uh, yeah, that was pretty so, good. But if that's the case, why didn't they just beam into the party? They could beam the Dupler into the party. Why didn't they just beam themselves into the party? I don't know, but it was funny beaming the Dupler in there. Absolutely. No, I, I get it. The best, the best thing, and then, then we see that Mariner and Boimler have put their names on the on the uh, on the bar in the same order that Kirk and Spock did. So, alluding to the fact that Mariner may be a captain someday, and Boimler's going to be her number one. Nah, then it would be lower decks anymore, would it? I know, but that could be like the end of the series or something, or right. I don't know. Maybe we'll get lucky and see him in Picard actually having had a ship together. No, okay, so to me, you you skipped over the best part. So you got a shot of Tindy and Rutherford sitting at the at the bar table inside the same bar. Tindy pulls out a model for Rutherford to start building, and it is none other than excellent. I forgot. (laughs) I thought that was pretty awesome. Now, one of my favorite. I actually have a like this game. uh, Everybody knows, hopefully by now, that I love board games. 
if you haven't checked out all of our other board game stuff. But anyway, I have a I play this game called Attack Wing, which is a Star Trek version of the very popular fantasy flight game X Wing. And uh, it's the Star Trek version of it. And one of my favorite models that I have is I have the Deep Space Nine model. And it, and looks, it is freaking sweet. And I just think it would be awesome to actually have this thing powered, have lights. And I just love to have the uh, the abilities to do that. But that'd be so much fun to have a model like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty cool on the one you got. I mean, not to, to, you know, inflate your ego too much, but it may be one of the coolest pizzas you have. Aside from maybe, I mean, not cooler than, but as cool as your board cube that does light green. That's pretty darn cool. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Did you so, see the the manufacturer of the D Space Nine box? Quark. Oh, Quark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the whole box was made up in like a uh, uh, a model that's out right now. Like I I expected it to be the brand that that uh, all models are right now. It's not like Rebel. Rebel. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was uh, the fact that the model box kind of looked like that was kind of good. So. Right. And well, then the A of Quark was in a Starfleet symbol oh yeah 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 it just, just means like in. i mean right he's still out amongst the the uh the stars doing his thing so absolutely so okay so now that we're at the end here um what'd you give it out of 10 um as far as moving the relationship forward past the whole end of season one of where mariner and boimler have kind of like a fallen out and mariner's still pissed at at boimler um, I'm hoping maybe we can start moving past that and actually start getting into different stories and not just the anger that Mariner has. Um, so as a conclusion for really this, this feels like the conclusion for the beginning of season two, right? With that being said, it wasn't my favorite episode. I wouldn't go out of my way to watch this one, but if I started watching season two, you, you've got to, we got to watch the whole first three episodes here or two episodes here. Right. Or what is it? Five? What episode are we on right now? Right. It's episode five of season two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would give this one a solid six and a half, seven. Ooh, dang. It was yeah. good. To me, it wasn't great, but it was good. Okay, like you so- said, though, the chase scene was just absolutely asinine. Now, to me, the best part of the whole episode was was Rutherford and Tindy bonding over building a model. But yeah. the whole Dupler right. thing, which what surrounded them, just wasn't entertaining to me. What right. do you say? Okay, so I, I think I've said a couple of times my favorite episode. It may not be my favorite episode, because I, I, the more I thought about it, the more we talked about it here, the more I think I want to give it a solid 8. Um, it could probably edge to 8.5 if I'm feeling particularly uh, nostalgic, but I think a solid 8. We're like an 8, 8.2, somewhere in that ballpark, um, because um, the things that were funny to me were were like – uh, funny with purpose, and I dug it. I thought that the Dupler thing wasn't stupid. I, I mean, it's not something we would have seen on a on a real series. Um, and I mentioned that earlier before you joined in that I wish we kind of would have to kind of seen it, you know, a little bit more silly like. But but all in all, I I liked the Dupler race. Um, I liked the person they got to play him, um, and I saw I liked it as a plot device. So um, that. Com- like seeing the 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 frustration and the tension kind of wrung out of the 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 Mariner Boimler conversation and same with the Tendy and Rutherford conversation or or uh, relationship. Um, I, I'll give it an eight, a solid eight. So, right on. Anything else? I got nothing. 
All right. Well, you're going to have to bear with us because normally we don't close the episode. So uh, thanks for joining our podcast today. Make sure to check out our website where we do uh, lots of other stuff, board games, video games, uh, Twitch streams, and a whole lot more. So uh, maturemindedgamers.com. Have yourself a good night. We'll